0: Practice in church history for a long time. It's actually really cool, and I actually still do it today. But I was required to do it, and I will tell you what, I was horrible at Lent. I always struggled at picking something to give up for 40 days that I would actually be able to not partake in for that time. Uh, I tried one year to do candy, and three days in, I was at a birthday party, and I had a, a lollipop in my mouth, and I realized. I am not supposed to have this. Uh, There was a time, uh, another time where I gave up sweets, um, and I I think I lasted four days that time, uh, before I realized, man, okay, I, I actually forgot about this. That was my problem. I always just forgot that I had committed to something and would break what my commitment was. Today, as we're looking at this series, as we're actually wrapping up this series of the Woman of Advent, kind of on this flip side of the church calendar, not talking about Easter, but talking about Christmas, uh, we're going to be emphasizing this word of faithfulness today faithfulness being committed lock solid on something and when i think of faithfulness i think of my lack of faithfulness to lent it comes so often how quick i am to commit to something and then just break that vow that I had committed to. I do this all the time with trying to wake up early, trying to work out a certain amount, trying to not procrastinate my homework. You know what I'm talking about? These, these good commitments that you maybe make, you just break so quickly. Well, today we're looking at someone in this uh, Woman of Advent series who was faithful in some pretty important things left and right. And it's a person that all of us know, we're all aware of. If you've, I feel like most people in the world are aware of this person. Uh, but it's going to be bringing us home in this Woman of Advent series, the person who actually gave birth to Jesus. And so we're going to be looking at Mary. And Mary's the last stop on this Woman of Advent series. But to really consider in this whole series that God supernaturally and intentionally chose the lineage of people that he was going to bring the Savior of the world in. And the last stop here is going to be Mary. And we're going to see a little bit of why and then even what God does through that but before we go any further I just want to take a moment and just ask you the question what do you actually know about Mary like the the mother of Jesus like what do you actually know and actually I want to give you a second maybe talk with the people around you what are the things that you already know about Mary go talk with the people around you all right 10 seconds All right. Let me hear a few things. What do we already? What do we know about Mary? A few people bold enough to to share. Yeah. She was a virgin when she gave birth. Great. Yes. What else? Yeah. She was chosen for her faithfulness. Great. What else? Anything else? She's a woman. That is that is an accurate statement. Anything else? Yeah. Yes, that's right. So uh, Joseph was going to divorce her quietly, which is, if you were in main service, there's a lot of the stuff that we talked about earlier, uh, but he was going to divorce her quietly, but then God met him in a dream and said, hey, don't do that because I'm the one who is behind this. And he had faith. He trusted that that was true. There's lots of stuff that we've heard about her, and there's things that we, we kind of know and things that we've like seen the nativity scene over and over. Uh, But the biggest thing, as I've already said, is something that I think it's overlooked, is that I think that Mary is one of the most faithful people in the Bible. I think Mary is one of the most faithful people, not just woman, faithful people in the Bible because of what was handed to her and how she responded and how she lived out her whole life. And we're going to be zooming through her life as we take a look in the passage. And so first we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1. And so if you're not there, you can turn there. Luke chapter 1. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So Luke, big number one. Looking at little number 26, verse 26. We're going to be reading this account of when Mary finds out that she's about to have a baby. All right, Luke 1, 26 says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. All right, put yourself in Mary's shoes. Uh, It's assumed that Mary is probably about 16 years old at this time. There's a few people that would say maybe she's younger, she's older, uh, but specifically I believe that she was at least 16 because she was able to travel on her own. But with that... Mary, 16 years old. How many of you in this room are 16 right now? Well you're like, "What the heck? What if this happened to me? Different culture, still. crazy. But with that, Mary, she is engaged. She is ready to be married. It was normal at that time to be engaged at that age, to be married to this man whole life before her. And she's confronted by this angel, which historically, all throughout Scripture, when someone is confronted by an angel. They are scared because it is not an easy thing. It's actually a really scary moment because you're not expecting an angel to come out of nowhere. And with that, there's a scary moment where she is told, hey, you're going to give birth to someone who is going to be, whose kingdom is going to last forever. This is a super scary and shocking moment for her to be confronted by, for anyone. And this is real. Like Mary is a real person and is confronted by this when she was not expecting it. And so, okay, like you hear this news, what's running through your mind? Okay, how is this going to happen? Well, that's exactly what Mary asked. Look at the next few verses. And Mary said to the angel, hey, I just have a quick question. How is this going to happen since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with, with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to, to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, so not only is she saying, hey, you're going to give birth to a son, which probably she's thinking, like, okay, is it going to happen later? Is it going to happen now? Like, do I have to not, not be with Joseph? What's going on? And explains, actually, it's going to be this miracle that's going to fulfill Scripture that pointed ahead to the Messiah, that God will come with us, to be Emmanuel with us through a virgin birth. And, of course, you've you got to imagine Mary's brain is just, like, running at a 1,000 miles per hour here of, like, Okay, I, I believe this is happening. I believe you to be true, and I, I'm faithful to the Lord. I want to follow after what, what he is doing. But how does she respond? What is Mary's response here? Is it's like, no, you're crazy. Is she pinching herself, trying to wake up, trying to get out of it? Is she running in the opposite direction? No. Her response is, you know what? You, you said it. I will obey. What, what you say goes right here. That's a crazy thing to say, an even crazier thing to back up. But the truth is, is that this isn't Mary's first time being faithful to God. This is not Mary's first time choosing to follow after what God had said. It's actually, uh, it's, it's said in verse 28 here that she was favored by the Lord. And then in verse 30, it says that uh, we have found favor with you. God has found favor. He's seen your faithfulness. He's known what you've been like, what you've been doing. And he's coming to Mary specifically, picking her because of her faithfulness. Here's the first thing that I want us to see this, this morning as we're, we're looking at the Women of Advent series. Is that we're called to be faithful in the small things. Be faithful in the small things. Mary did not know this was going to be coming to her life. She had no idea. It's not like she was waiting for the day for an angel to tell her, hey, you're going to give birth to the Messiah like she was not ready she did not know that was coming but you know what she was faithful to God because he she she believed that she was supposed to be faithful to him she was faithful before this moment she was following after him she was committed locked in with him well uh, One of my jobs here at Arbor Road is to be the the high school pastor alongside Phoebe. Um, But another one is that I oversee leadership development with a girl named Corinne. We oversee our intern program. And so Brody's in the intern program, Alexa and Morgan. And so I get to oversee that program. And part of my responsibilities is to go out and recruit, bring a fishing rod and say, who wants to intern at Arbor Road Church? And so I try to get people. And often when I'm reaching out to people, asking them to consider interning, so many people are asking, well, do I get to teach in main service? So many people are asking, like, well, what do I get to accomplish? So many people in those conversations will ask, what significant thing do I get to contribute in order that it makes it valuable for me? And, I mean, if I'm honest and I'm, like, tilting, giving you guys a little sneak peek into my heart, I hate that. I hate That that we have that there there's temptation for people to try to just do what's going to make them look good in front of other people. And now I know I have that same temptation. Every single one of us has that same temptation. But whenever I have a conversation with somebody who just wants to be like up on a stage and just wants to be made to look good in front of others, I mean I I feel like I'm kind of nervous to bring them in as an intern. And the reason why is because it's not about us. It's not about what you can get out of it. It's not about the big moments. It's actually about the little ones. It's about being faithful in the small things. You see, the truth is, if you are unwilling to be faithful in the small things, you will never be faithful in the big things. If you are unwilling to be uh, focused on the things that God desires from us, the little things day by day, man, when the big moments come, that's you're just gonna you're gonna fold. There's a story that Jesus tells in Matthew twenty-five. It's called the parable of the talents, and it's this this parable, the story that Matthew is or that Jesus is telling. Of these different guys who are given different amounts of money to take care of, and it 's meant to be this illustration of just pointing out that God gives us each different gifts and different responsibilities, some greater than others and It points out in this account that the people who are given more are expected to to use it to actually the, the things that they are meant that they are given they 're expected to invest it and to use it to God's glory. And then there's the person who decides who, who receives less because they have less, they decide to do nothing with it. Instead, they hide the money. They bury it instead of using it. And look at this response in Matthew 25, 21, and 23, talking to the two people in the, in the parable, in this story, talking to the two people who actually used the stuff that they were given. This is what the master in parable says. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, Jesus in Luke 16, talking about the parable of the shrewd manager, he says this, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. You see, Mary in this moment, she, she has been faithful in the little things her whole life. She's been choosing the right path, not waiting for the recognition. She's been doing it in private. And it kind of puts a mirror up for us to really consider, do we care about the little things? Like, HSM, do you care about being faithful in the little things, day by day? Do you care about being faithful in reading scripture, in praying, and actually, like, sharing your faith with others? Do you care more about what people think about you than the kind of person you're becoming? Do you care more about... Wanting to follow Jesus in public than you do wanting to follow Jesus in private. Are you willing to actually do something to the glory of God if nobody's ever gonna see it? You see, if you're unwilling to be faithful in the small things, you will never be faithful in the big. It's all about considering, man, I'm following Jesus day by day and having the integrity to know that God, God invites me, He calls me to Himself day by day, whether or not a single soul ever gives me praise for it, because you're not doing it for anyone else. You're doing it so that you can be in relationship with God. Are you willing to be faithful in the small things? I think this is the, one of the, the biggest examples of this is like maybe those little sins that we, we don't think are that big of a deal that we give into over and over and over again. And I can't remember, it was a few weeks ago, but was, Phoebe was giving this illustration of, of how little sins erode at our hearts. When we, when we commit little sins over and over, it makes us more prone to actually make big sins. And the truth is, is, when against a holy God, they're all equal. To sin is to sin. And so if we're unwilling to be faithful and to say, you know what, these little sins are actually not worth it, I'm going to choose to surrender to God and ask him to help bring others in, we're missing out on opportunity to see God's hand in our lives. We're called to be faithful in the small things, like Mary was here. Continuing on in the story, We got this account where Mary is like, okay, you got it, I'm going to do this, we're going to figure this out. We see that as she gets pregnant, she has this conversation with Joseph, as Lilo was mentioning, and Joseph's like, yeah, right, you got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, that sounds sus, and so he says, I'm going to divorce her quietly, I'm I'm not going to marry this woman because she cheated on me, and God visits him in a dream and says, that's not true, it was me all along, and Joseph stays committed to her. But everyone else around, the family and community around them, what do you think they are thinking? If someone at school was saying, hey, I'm, I actually got pregnant by, by God, by the Holy Spirit, every single one of us would be like, yeah, they, you're crazy. And that's exactly what the people in the community were saying. Like, that's, that can't be true. So there's this, this moment where actually Mary and Joseph go off to, to go see Elizabeth, her, her aunt or, or her cousin, and to go spend time over there. Um, especially as they try to figure out what life's going to look like because it is so different than what they anticipated. And in being with Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist at the time, Mary, in probably one of the lowest lows of her life, of being an outcast, not knowing what's going to happen with the rest of her life, says these words, He has scattered the proud in in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich have been sent away empty. He has helped the servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. What the heck? This is what comes out of Mary's mouth. This is how she responds to this situation. She praises God, and not only does she praise God, she sings a song that is actually incredibly beautiful. This is insane. In this crazy moment of life circumstances, she says, she starts out, my soul magnifies the Lord. What I'm experiencing, what, who I am at my deepest core, I want God to be seen through it by everyone who sees me. In this circumstance, Mary's eyes are still on god although life is tough although the craziest thing that could ever happen to her she is committed We see that mary is not just faithful in the, in the small things she's also faithful in the big things she is so faithful in the biggest thing in saying yes lord i'm going to do this i'm going to follow through you see the the catholic church there's been a, a, a lot of a, well let me take a step back. A lot of the time, we don't talk about Mary because the Catholic Church has, has probably, I will say, the Catholic Church has made Mary to be something that she is not. And so when we talk about Mary, there's a lot of people in the Protestant Church, which is what we are, that kind of, like, get a little nervous because uh, we've made mistakes with what we believe about Mary in the past. Because the Catholic Church has said things in specifically the last 200 years that, uh, that Mary was experienced in Immaculate Conception herself, that she was born without sin. Don't believe that to be true. That Mary, uh, that her body ascended into heaven uh, because she was so holy, um, which may or may not be true, but there's nothing in Scripture to back that up. Um, And then uh, this theological term that she's called the co-redemptrix of Jesus, and that it's Mary and Jesus equally redeeming us as humanity. And that's why Mary is so elevated in the Catholic Church, which, I mean, the, the, the whole thing is, like, that's a lot of stuff that I, I, we do not believe to be true. But when you look at an account like this, you start to wonder, like, how did this woman have such faith? And I think the Catholic Church is, like, she's insane. Like, this is, like, an insane woman of faith that is willing to, to go through this, was chosen by God, and then still praises him in the hardest circumstances. And a lot of theology has come from this. But let it be known that Mary is just a normal human being. She is just like any one of us. But she is someone who is committed to the Lord that was faithful to him left and right. And so I don't want to do us any disservice of not talking about her because I think that she is one that we actually get to look to as an example. Especially when we consider our faith in Jesus. You see, Mary was given this opportunity to bear the Son of God. Nine months, she carried him. She gave birth to him. She raised him for, for 30 years. She was his mother through and through, and he was with her. But I think it's very easy for us to, to forget the fact that every single one of us, if we've put our faith in Jesus, God has placed himself in us. Well, take, take this. Actually, like think about this with me. God was with Mary She, she like, raised him in her womb and raised him up. But the Holy Spirit is living in you now. You're blown away by the fact that God would would choose a woman to, to become a human and to be grown in the womb as a baby. But God chooses to actually dwell in you. Like, God is dwelling in you now if you've put your faith in Jesus. You've been given a significant task to allow him to steer your life back to himself, to listen to what God is doing in your life, to actually consider that he is more significant than anything else that could go on in this world. We are called to be faithful to the fact that the Holy Spirit is directing us, convicting us, leading us, telling us truth as a significant task for us to be faithful to. You see, following Jesus is difficult, but man, we've been given God who, who directs us to be faithful to him through and through. And if you've been given the Holy Spirit, you've been given a great opportunity to to be faithful in the big things. This is a big thing that God has chosen to dwell in us. Not when you're older, not later in life, but if you put your faith in Jesus now, he is with you. It's an insane reality that I think often we can can maybe forget how significant it is. Brings us to this last point as we kind of see it close out here see Mary and Joseph, they raise up Jesus. They have other kids, uh, half siblings to Jesus. And they watch him develop in his authority, um, remembering the things that the angel had told them. But we reach this point in, in, when Jesus is an adult during his ministry that there's this kind of this confusing moment. All of these things have happened. And when Jesus is teaching people as an adult, uh, he's confronted by his family. Flip over to Mark 3 with me. Matthew, Mark, so you go backwards. Mark 3. Remember, all the things that Mary was told, the experiences she had. Look at Mark 3. So Jesus is leading crowds. He's talking to people. And then in verse 20, and then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. So there's a big crowd gathering around Jesus wanting him to teach, wanting him to heal. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. Now jump down to 31. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. You get this moment where it seems like that Jesus' family, his half-siblings and, and Mary, are like confused about what's going on. They knew that he was going to be the king, but they had this different interpretation of what that was going to look like. And here, Mary is concerned that Jesus is off the path. Mary, the one who is faithful in the big things and the small things, is concerned that Jesus is off track here. And we know by Jesus' response to her and to the rest of the family that he actually wasn't. You see, Mary begins to doubt that Jesus knows what he's doing here, even though she's been told all these things, even though she spoke to the angel, even though she witnessed miracles that Jesus had done. You see, I'm encouraged by this for two reasons. Number one, I'm encouraged by this moment because a hero of the faith like Mary— experienced doubt. A hero of the faith, somebody who we look at and say, that's insane that they did those things, experienced doubt, which encourages me because that means that my doubt is actually welcome before the Lord too. Your doubt is actually welcome before the Lord too. But even more significant than that, I would say that it, the story doesn't end here. She doesn't go home frustrated, and then all of a sudden we never see Mary again. Actually, no. We, we know that Mary is at Jesus' crucifixion in John 19, that she's following him as she, she sees Jesus go to the cross. And then in Acts 1, after Jesus has ascended into heaven, there's this scene as the church is beginning. It says this in verse 14. All of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. We know in the beginning of Acts, as the church is beginning, that Mary was there, one of Jesus' disciples, a follower of Jesus. The mother of Jesus was a follower of Jesus. She surrendered to him because she knew that she needed him. She needed Jesus just as anyone else did. And this is this last thing. We're called to be faithful in the small things and the big things, but we're also called to be faithful through it all. There are going to be plenty of opportunities for us to, to compromise in our faith every single day. And all of you are well aware of this. There are going to be so many opportunities for you to choose yourself over choosing what it means to be faithful to the Lord and the big things and the small things. But God calls us to be faithful, to be on a trajectory of faithfulness through it all. We're called when we experience doubt to be faithful. We're called when we feel like faith is boring to be faithful. We're called to when we actually want to do something sinful to still choose faithfulness. We're called to be faithful through it all. But the truth is, as I say that, is there's not a single person in this room who's capable of doing that. You're called to be faithful through it all, but you you will fall short. Uh, t- this morning when we met to, to talk about our service, um, we found out that that Aubrey is the, the scholar of the quarter um, at, over at, at GAR. Uh, I just wanted to give you that little praise. Um, before we talk about me. Um, I I was a pretty good student. I took tests really, really well in middle school and high school. Uh, You're looking at a straight-A student right here, guys. Uh, People are usually surprised, which is offensive. Um, But uh, with that, the hardest test I ever took was the AP World History test um, my sophomore year. I took the makeup test, which they make harder, I did it all by myself because I missed the first test. Um, it was, I didn't study because I had never studied for a test before, and it was legitimately like I was on the verge of tears alone in a classroom, the entire test of like, I don't know any of these things. It was the hardest test I've ever taken. I want you to think about the hardest test that you've ever taken. What's the hardest one you've ever taken? You don't have to say it, but think about it. Maybe it's one that's coming up and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pass this. But well, what if what if I told you what if I told you that your test was going to be graded by the results of two people you and the best student in the room whoever gets the right answer will get the correct points for both of you so you get the you get the right person so there's you and the smartest person in the room you know who does well on tests and so you have your 48 question test if you and your partner both get, at least one of you gets it right, you both get it right. Does that make sense? If one of you gets it right, you both get it right. So who, you, who are you going to pick? You're going to pick the person who you think is going to ace the test. You're going to pick Aubrey. That's right. You're going to pick Todd. Because you want to make sure that you get 100%. When, when we think about being faithful to the Lord, it's I get this picture of us doing it, taking a test, and it's like we're called to get the right answers. We're called to pursue after Jesus. And truth is, we're going to fail the test. But you know who's taking the test on our behalf? Jesus. Jesus has already aced the test on your behalf. All the moments where you got the answer wrong, where you fall short, Jesus says, Hey, put my answer down. I was the one who filled that out for you. I've already filled it out. I've already been faithful on your behalf. Does that mean we don't try? No, it doesn't mean we don't try, but it means that when we fall short, we know that we've got we've got our answers covered. Jesus has already aced the tests on your behalf. So when we consider being faithful to the Lord, we're going to fall short, but we know that Jesus is going to be faithful to you 100% of the time. He will never stop being faithful to you. So faithfulness to him means receiving his faithfulness to you. Don't miss that. Do not miss that. Do not miss that, not miss that Jesus is going to be faithful to you a thousand, a million, a trillion, infinite more times more than you ever be to him. God desires faithfulness. And as we celebrate Advent, as we look to forward to a season where Jesus is coming back. We trust that he will return and he's going to finish what he started. We're grateful for the people that we know that are in his lineage and his genealogy that points to our need for Jesus, even like Mary did. And so with that, I'm going to invite the worship team, who's going to lead us in a few songs of response. But as we stand up, would you pray with me? God, we take this moment and... Just reflect on the fact that every single one of us is called to faithfulness. Lord, you have made yourself known to us, and there is no one that is without excuse. There's no excuse that we can have before you that's valid for why we don't choose to follow you, for why we don't choose to be faithful to you. But Lord, I'm encouraged by the fact that your son took on the cross on on my behalf, on our behalf, who filled out the answers of that test for us, who aced it for us even though we deserve to fail. God, I pray that for every one of us, especially as we head into the next three weeks of not having HSM, that we'd cling on to you. We'd trust you, that we would know that we are so destitute without you. And would you take all the glory, all the honor, all the credit. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.